It's time for another podcast rewind, and this week we're revisiting Red Bull's frankly ludicrous marketing strategy. It's a great episode. Enjoy. Ever wondered how a drinks brand like Red Bull can afford to own two Formula One teams, four football teams, two esports teams, ice hockey, NASCAR teams, run a clothing company, a travel agency, spend a reported $50 million on helping someone jump from space? and sponsor a reported 125 different athletes and musicians. Red Bull's business model is crazy, but it seems to be working. 2021 sales were up 24% to 7.8 billion euros, which is around 8.4 billion US dollars. Red Bull sold 9.8 billion cans of a drink that doesn't even taste that nice in 2021. And most of their revenue comes from the drinks. And of course, by the way, they outsource all of the drinks productions. Yes, Red Bull doesn't even manufacture their own product. They are a pure marketing firm. Well, from the outside, it can appear that Red Bull is throwing marketing budget around really carelessly. They reportedly spend between 25 and 30% of their total revenue on marketing. 25 to 30% of your revenue on marketing. Compare that to Pepsi, they spend 2.5% of their revenue on marketing. But somehow for Red Bull, it is working. So today we're going to find out why and what the keys are to their success. And of course, for all the marketers who's listening, what the lessons are that we can go and apply in our own business. This is such an interesting business. I don't know anyone else like Red Bull. Let's get stuck in. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency that help our clients generate more leads and sales from their websites. And in this episode, we're going to go behind the scenes of Red Bull's marketing. How can they afford to do it all? And does it actually work? Well, on the surface level, Red Bull's strategy basically looks like hyped up influencer marketing, right? They sponsor athletes to post with Red Bulls and they wear Red Bull branded clothing and drive around in Red Bull branded cars whilst they're doing their sports. Simple, right? People then go and buy the product because they've seen their idols using it. Well, whilst it's true that Red Bull does have a kind of influencer-led approach, actually they go a level deeper. But let's start with the influencers and the ambassadors first of all. So Red Bull tends to focus on building long-term relationships with athletes and musicians. How many times have we seen this in the deep dives that we've done for digital marketing, where we've seen the most successful brands build really long-term relationships with their brand ambassadors rather than just working with them on a one-off basis. Now, Red Bull has teams ingrained in the various sports and music scenes that they work in, so they know who is coming up and who to watch out for. This is a much longer-term strategy than most companies can afford, but it works for Red Bull and they're happy to play a long-term game for the reasons that we'll see later on. Then rather than a traditional sponsorship, which can be quite transactional, Red Bull tends to want to help their ambassadors in some way. We can see this from interviews with previous Red Bull employees where they talk about the fact that Red Bull will try and offer their ambassadors training in whatever discipline that they're running. They will also host things like athlete summits where they share product information, where they give social media training and advice on how to interview. Red Bull will arrange the sort of stunts that these athletes could never do themselves. For example, they partnered with someone years ago to help them do a backflip over Tower Bridge in London. 
And of course, the whole thing was branded with Red Bull. This athlete had always wanted to do it, but they'd never had the budget to be able to do it themselves. So Red Bull helped them do this. Or Felix Baumgartner's jump from space. That's not something that an individual could usually afford to do on their own. So Red Bull kind of facilitates this. Red Bull also has a music studio in London, for example, that they can give their artists access to. They have programs like their Student Marketeers, which is basically where they recruit students to become Red Bull, uh, I guess, like sponsored ambassadors and go into their unis and look for opportunities to market Red Bull, spread the word. But this is all much more of an advanced influencer strategy than most brands will take, where they'll send some products, they'll get someone to post a few times, maybe they might have a, a, you know, a year's contract or something like that. But Red Bull is working much longer term with its influencers and its ambassadors. But really where Red Bull's magic comes from is they are thinking on another level. Now, if we think about how most beverage firms, for example, like Pepsi, will advertise, they might sponsor a particular athlete, they might sponsor a sports team, they might buy a Super Bowl ad. So what Pepsi and their normal company competitors are doing is they will give their marketing budget to a TV company, a TV network, the sports team, the NFL or the athlete, right? They are basically handing their marketing budget over to somebody who owns distribution, who owns the eyeballs. Well, Red Bull steps up another level. They don't just sponsor the athlete. What Red Bull will do is buy the entire team. They will buy the Formula One team. They'll buy the football soccer team. They will create their own media company, Red Bull Media. They will publish their own magazines. They will film and broadcast their own events. They own the rights to their events. They host over 30 different of their own branded events, like cliff diving, like um, all sorts of different crazy events that they run. They own these. So rather than just sponsoring the athlete, they own the event. That also allows them to own distribution. Now, if we have a look at their F1 team purchase, an example, very high profile purchase. They bought the Jaguar F1 team for $1, but they had to invest $400 million over three years. So they basically bought this Formula One team for $400 million. But now they own that team. They can sell advertising to other brands. They can monetize the team just like any other Formula One team is monetized. And it's been profitable for many years. But they get the advertising free of charge. They can monetize that in a way that Pepsi never could by buying a spot on the Red Bull cars. The Red Bull F1 team just recently announced two sponsorship deals for the team. These two deals alone were worth a combined $150 million a year. So this is a profitable racing team that they bought. So they own the distribution, they own the advertising channel. And then they're still making money from this as well. So it's a really genius two-step process. Let's take the New York soccer team purchase. They bought it in 2006 for $25 million. Well, Forbes estimates its value today at $290 million. So this was a great acquisition, regardless of the advertising benefits that they've had over the last 16 years. So they're really being savvy with this. Going back to owning and running their own events, Red Bull cliff diving. They've got a world series of this new sport called cliff diving, which by the way, is absolute social media fodder. Looks amazing on social media, gets people engaged, gets people talking. It's real scroll stopping stuff. The Red Bull air race, same sort of thing. Red Bull crashed ice. Over 30 different Red Bull events that they own and run. Red Bull owns its own record label, which means that it can give a platform to the artists that it supports. So this goes back to this idea that when you are uh, an ambassador for Red Bull, if you're an athlete or if you're a musician under the Red Bull family, 
Red Bull can give you added value. It can help you get bigger. It can help you get closer to your goals. So in other words, Red Bull doesn't just, you know, most companies might go out and buy a billboard. They might buy an ad on a billboard. Red Bull doesn't do that. Red Bull buys the entire billboard company. That way it gets the distribution, it gets the eyeballs free of charge. It's a completely different way of thinking about this. Now you might be listening to this thinking, wow, this sounds like a really expensive model. This is great for Red Bull. They are making billions of dollars a year, but how did they make the money to afford to be in this position? Well, to understand this, it helps to go back and understand the market that Red Bull entered when it first started selling its drinks in the late 80s. Now, energy drinks were a new category. This didn't exist as a category. The founder of Red Bull went out to Thailand. They tried this drink, uh, which helped them with jet lag, and they were an immediate convert to the power of this thing. Now, let's remember that Red Bull, many people think Red Bull actually doesn't taste particularly nice. People don't tend to buy Red Bull for the taste. But that doesn't matter too much because Red Bull gives you energy. That means they have a differentiated proposition compared to all the other drinks in the cabinet. If you were selling a Pepsi competitor or a Coke competitor, how are you going to be able to charge a premium for that? Well, Red Bull is not selling a Pepsi or a Coke competitor. Red Bull is selling you energy. It's selling you the benefit of that energy if you're a student. It's selling you the benefit of being able to do your studies. It's selling you the benefit of being able to party all night long. So they're selling something different to what their competitors are. Now, Red Bull, like I said, was modeled on a Thai drink. The founder actually partnered with a pharmacist behind this drink to launch it. They both together put in $1 million to launch the brand, which was a big bet. But this positioning was absolutely key. This positioning and starting it in its own category, this energy drink category was really important because this allowed them to choose a premium price for Red Bull. Now it's reported that a can cost nine cents to make right? Nine cents to make it. The average wholesale in Western countries for Red Bull is around $1.87. So that's 95% gross margin, okay? So a massive profit margin like that means that they can afford to reinvest in marketing, which allows them to reinforce the value of the brand and sustain that premium price point. And this is an important point. If they were just trying to sell a more expensive drink than all of their competitors without any differentiation, that would be very difficult. Red Bull is able to sustain the high price because of all the marketing and the brand work that goes in, which they can afford because of the high price. So this is a virtuous cycle, which that massive margin facilitates. Now, the massive margin also means that the bars and restaurants and clubs that sell Red Bull, they can make more money from selling it as well. So they are incentivized to promote it at the point of sale, which is a really key ingredient. And of course, let's not forget that Red Bull uses addictive ingredients. Chemically addictive ingredients is definitely a surefire way to increase your repeat purchase rate. But Red Bull's numbers facilitate their growth. Their margins really mean that this whole thing is possible. So what are the lessons that we can learn as marketers? Well, first lesson really is exactly that. Nothing opens up marketing opportunities like high margins. With high margins, you can afford to build brand. With high margins, you can build brand and invest in long-term marketing as well as short-term sales. In order to sustain high margins though, you need to have one of two things, either a hugely recognizable brand with a lot of emotional attachment, which Red Bull definitely has, and or a product with added value. Okay, so Red Bull's positioning as an energy drink rather than just a drink means that it has added value and it can sustain that higher price. So Red Bull has both of these um, these things that allow them to sell at a much higher margin. The next lesson from Red Bull is the power of owned media, i.e. 
advertising through the channels that you own rather than paying to be in someone else's channel. Now, paying for eyeballs is great. And every brand needs to do this at some point. Red Bull does it too. They spend as much as $300,000 a month on Google ads in the US alone. But Red Bull's brand has predominantly been built through owned media. This is a brand that has been built through their own platforms, their own channels. And there are some really simple ways that every business can be a little bit more Red Bull by building their earned media in digital marketing. So the first thing, social media. If you're not following Red Bull's channels on social media, go and follow them. What they've done amazingly is they've turned their social channels into destinations that their audience, their target audience has to follow. And all of us need to be focusing on doing this. How can you turn your social channels into pages that your customers and potential customers have to follow? The most simple way of doing this is to make them interesting and entertaining. So how many of Red Bull's Instagram posts are boring self-promotional? Clue? None. It's all really exciting, high energy stuff. Now that's Red Bull's brand. That might not be your brand. You might not be working in extreme sports. You might not be having people jump off buildings in wingsuits. That's totally okay. You don't need to do that. But there is knowledge that you and your business have, which is interesting to your audience in the same way that Red Bull has stuff which is interesting to their audience. For example, if you sell beds, well, your posts just don't have to be just about beds. Your post can be about helping people sleep better. If you sell accounting, well, your posts just don't have to be about your accounting services. Your posts can be about helping people save tax or make more profit or whatever. If you're selling marketing, look at Exposure Ninja. We're not pitching you on our marketing services all the time. Our goal is to help you market better. That's what we're here for. That's what all of our content is about. So I would encourage you to think about what's the magazine that your customers would pay to read. If you were going to be publishing a magazine, what would you put in there so that your customers pay to read it? And that will help you find the sort of social content that people really want to follow. Another owned media channel, which often gets overlooked, is your email list. Your email list is a great way to talk to your audience free. You don't have to pay to advertise to the, your email list. The number of businesses that we get coming into Exposure Ninja requesting our free website and marketing review over at ExposureNinja.com. And we talk to them and we find they've got these huge email lists which they never talk to. And then we can send a few emails to them at the start of a campaign, make them a whole bunch of money. And this is untapped revenue, which is just sat there waiting to purchase. But because it's not sexy, because it's not all over social media, people just ignore their email list. Well, this is a key owned media channel, which you can make the most of. And finally, your blog content, the content on your website, we talk about this all the time. So I'm not going to go into loads of detail. But you know that your blog, the information section on your website, this is not about you. This is not an update on your business. Red Bull doesn't do that stuff. Because Red Bull gets that its content has to be interesting and useful to its customers and potential customers. So this is about collecting the topics that people want to read about and giving them your take on them, giving them your expertise, sharing real value through your blogs. And we have other episodes which you can check out, which are all about how to choose the sort of blog and content topics that people actually want to read and engage with. So I hope you found this episode useful, this quick tour through Red Bull's marketing. I found it really fascinating taking a bit of a deep dive into some of the strategies and what they've done. Don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, you can subscribe. And also, please do leave us a review as well. And if you want some help with your digital marketing, then the team here at Exposure Ninja are ready to offer you some free help. All you need to do is go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review. One of the team will analyze your site. They'll analyze against your marketing goals, what your competitors are doing and what's going well in your space. 
will then map out a prioritized action plan that you can follow over the next six to 12 months to generate significantly more sales and leads through your business. Not all of this is going to be Red Bull type stuff, by the way. We know that most businesses need to focus on day-to-day -day sales. That is their main priority. So any marketing plan that we put together has short-term components as well as these long-term brand building components. Most companies will starve to death before they can build a Red Bull type brand. So it's really important that you're focusing on generating short-term sales as well as long-term brand and visibility. So go and request your free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. Go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review, click the big button and go and grab that review. Until next week, see you soon.